Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Hoops tonight. The Lad Jazz last game before the All-Star break. The Miami Heat are coming to town. Fully expect the Jazz to have a four-game winning streak when this thing is over. It's weird the way they went from really good to really bad to really good again. And no, I don't think it was a schedule thing because Houston was shorthanded and Denver was shorthanded and San Antonio and Portland have losing records. They just played poorly. But now they're back to playing really well. So... They're on a roll. I expect them to win tonight. The Utah State Aggies got a good win on the road. They beat Colorado State under the new uh, way the NCAA does things. It's a quad two win. It's a good road win. For a team that has not been good on the road this year, it's an excellent road win. They're now 3-5 and five on the road. The other wins were at Fresno and San Jose. Eh. And there's a terrible road loss at Air Force. Oh, this was a good win. They got up 10. CSU kept making runs, get it down to 5. They push it back to 10. CSU had it down to 1. And Sam Merrill with a massive three-pointer and then a couple of free throws. They didn't get any calls on the road. They shot four free throws all night, and those four came in the last minute of the game when... Colorado State was fouling intentionally. But Merrill goes for 32. He hits a bunch of big shots. He had 20 of the 32 in the second half. Let's hear from Sam Merrill with Scotty G after the win. Man, what a show today, Sam. Thanks for putting that on for me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for coming. You must have been the, the secret <laughs> weapon. I think that's what he – Yeah, she leave, – Leave me at home. Bring Lance. Uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, that was – Some some wins are a little bit better than others. This was a huge win. You And, and you could tell you guys really needed this one. You wanted this one. And, and what a tremendous performance tonight. Yeah, I mean, I have, <clears throat> I have so much respect for Colorado State. Um they, they're so well coached, and they really shoot the ball well, and they have a bunch of really, really good guys. Um, so ton of respect and credit to them, and uh, we knew this was a big one yeah. um, for multiple reasons, obviously for the conference standings, but also to keep ourselves in the conversation for an at-large um, if, if it's needed. So um, we prepared accordingly, and this is our third game in six days, so um, didn't practice. I mean, we practiced obviously every day, but didn't go super hard, but uh, I thought our – mentality was great and uh coach always talks about 15 round fights and all that and that's what it felt like tonight like they hit some some big time shots and make some big time plays and we just kept just kept taking the punches colorado state is a team at home that shoots over i mean 47 percent and in the first half um you you guys held them to 30 38 Mm percent now they did a little better in the second half but what was the key defensively to start the game i thought that was really the difference in the game yeah um their last five or six home games they're shooting 58 percent from three wow um so we knew that it was going to be a challenge um no, it starts with Thistlewood, um, who's just an unbelievable shooter, and he hurt us a little bit at our place, so he was a big key, keeping him off balance and not giving him anything open. And then, um, like I said, our mentality has just been, you know, we knew it's hard to outscore a team this good offensively on their court, so we knew we had to, to get it done defensively. And, like, we weren't perfect in the second half, but I thought we got stops when we needed to. For sure. I want you to take me through uh, uh, probably the biggest play of the game. They've got the momentum, crowds into it. They've cut the lead to one. You draw on a switch. Carvacho comes out on you, mm-hmm. and uh, it's late in a shot clock, and Coach and I are thinking you might try to go around him. You spot up and take the three and, and bury it. Uh, but talk about your thought process on that shot. Yeah, I got the switch. Um, I wasn't entirely sure how much time was left, but I knew it was under seven or so, so I knew I had to go kind of quick. Um, and, yeah, I, I considered just driving, but I wasn't. I didn't want to get into traffic and, and have to and maybe make a mistake there. And, and they were swallowing their whistles tonight. They weren't calling a lot either. Yeah, how many yeah. free throws did we shoot for? Uh, yep. Yeah. Hey, um, four for four, though. Not saying it was bad, just like yeah. we didn't no, shoot. No, no, I got different. It, it was different. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've just I've I've worked on that shot. Just that 
<clears throat> right to left hesitation into it so many times and um, I just felt confident in it and I actually thought he blocked it at first and he might have gotten a piece of it but it went in so thank goodness how um, how I thought you did a really good job and end of the game. I mean, that's a that's a tight game, and you know you're coming off a game just a few few games ago at Boise State mm-hmm. where we made a few errors. Where where was the team mentally? Obviously, they were sharp, but excellent execution. Yeah, we've uh, that's been our our thing since that game has just been finish, finish, finish. And um, you know we had it against Boise. We had a couple turnovers against their press, but. Mm-hmm. A lot of our mistakes were defensively, like not shrinking the floor or uh, messing up switches. So we weren't really concerned about um, them pressing because UNLV pressed, we did a good job. Boise pressed a couple times, we had no issues with it. Um, but yeah, that's been, you know, obviously on our mind, and we got the fouls late that we needed. Besides the one where Thistle would hit that for the three, I was trying to foul him. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they didn't, for some reason they didn't call it, and he got yeah. that three. But yeah, I just thought we our mentality was right. I like how the foul here. You're actually looking at the official wall hitting yeah. him, like, "Hey, by the way, I'm fouling this guy." Ra- here. Raising your hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then uh, you know, as a team leader, you know, you got to be happy when guys step up. Uh, Nimi leaves the game with three fouls. I thought Kuba played well in those ten minutes. He was yeah, out there. he he was fantastic. Um, just just being sound. Um, had five rebounds. D- may not look like he did a lot, but the he did a really good job. Yeah, altering shots was was good inside. Um, you know, Trevin was just struggling a little bit offensively with with the read just because of the way they play with their pressure. And Kuba does a much better job of that, so he did a good job with that. And uh, um, you know, he's been. I know it's been an up and down season for him with the injury and then not playing as much, but. Um, that that speaks volumes about him and about our team that he's ready to ready to play on a moment's notice. Kato was, I mean, it's tough getting into a rhythm in the second half, but that first half, I mean, you, you guys couldn't get the ball to him enough. Yeah, he was really, really good, and that's that's how he's been for the last yeah. probably five or six games. Oh. Well, uh, I looked at this three-game stretch with UNLV, Boise, and Colorado State is just a huge stretch. You go 3-0. and You still have a couple of more road games coming up that are going to be difficult, but but I got to imagine you feel like this team's probably playing their best basketball right now. Yeah, for sure. We're getting better and better. Um, but as we know... You know, we could be favored by 20 against Fresno, and yeah. it will be a close game. Yeah. It always is. It always <laughs> is. So um, got a couple more tough road games and a couple home games as well. So as long as we can just keep working to get better and keep climbing, I think uh, I think we'll be in good shape. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, and, and, and I know everybody wanted to talk to you about 2000, uh, but to get it out of the way and to have, you know, and to have that that – that plateau of getting 2,000 points, what does that mean to you personally? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great honor. Um, you know, selfishly, I would have liked to have done it at home, obviously, and I know everyone was talking about that, but yeah. um, even better the fact that we did it in a win like this. Um, but I'm just, you know, it's been a, it's been a crazy four years, and um, I'm so grateful to have um, been a Utah State Aggie and to have played here and played with so many good teammates and so many good coaches who have helped me and um, this is I know it may be an individual achievement but it's certainly not you know there's just so much that goes into it so many people that have helped me so um, I'm uh, just extremely grateful for everyone but from a guy who grew up watching J.C. Carroll play and and Ty Wesley and those guys I mean that, that's got to mean a little bit more too yeah definitely um, I've talked about this but um, J.C. was my favorite player when I was a little kid, um, and I knew Greg. I know Greg pretty well, um, and obviously didn't know Wayne, but I know what his legacy is at Utah State, and um, to be able to be even in the same sentence as those guys is 
um, something I've I've dreamed of my whole life. Well, Sam, let me tell you, congratulations. And, and as an Aggie basketball fan, um, I was excited today to be here and watch it. And it was, it's awesome, and it's well-deserved. And it's been our pleasure um, to watch you play over these four years. Thank you. I really appreciate no it. Doubt. Congratulations, okay. my friend. Thanks, guys. There's Scotty G with Sam Merrill after the 75-72 win at Colorado State. 32 for Merrill. Big buckets at the end of the game, and then two big free throws, too. Here is Scotty with the head coach, Craig Smith. Utah State gets it done. Final score in this one, 75-72. to 72. You know what, Coach? Players make plays. That's what I know. Uh, that's <laughs> okay. a, you know what? I was just going to say that. You know what? Gary Anderson, and I've heard the football team say it. I'm sure they didn't come up with it, but players make plays, and, and, uh, you know, and players win games. Sam Merrill, doubt you're up by one, crowds into it. Colorado State's got all the momentum in the world. They switch. Carvacho comes out on him, and you think he may try to go around him, get to the rim, finish at the rim, draw the foul, whatever, and he lines him up and buries the three. That's Those are, uh, as Bill Rafferty would say, those are onions right there. He was unbelievable tonight. I, th- I thought our team played very, very well tonight. Uh, obviously, defensively, the second half wasn't quite what, what we're looking for, but Sam was unbelievable. I mean, what a – you know, I guess the, la- the Saturday night getting four fouls might have been a blessing in disguise because he only had to play 23 minutes, and yeah. he looks so fresh out there. But, man, I was – you know, uh, at shoot-around today, I was talking to the – the TV people, and um, what's one of the things you said? As a coach, you do everything you can to put guys in the right position. You coach and you help them get better. But basketball is the ultimate players game like players have to be able to make plays and a coach doesn't go out there and shoot the three for him or make the pass or yeah. cut hard like Diogo was doing tonight and made some great plays but what a night for the Aggies what a night for Sam Merrill getting his 2000th and we said something to him in the locker room after we talked about the game a little bit and man the whole locker room just erupted and to see that enthusiasm by the 14 other men in our program, and Sam just, you know, kind of puts his head down, almost embarrassed, you know, and, and he does it with, I mean, I don't know that the guy takes a bad shot at game. He should take a couple more yeah. bad ones, and and just makes all those plays. But, you know, we had just called a timeout. Obviously, we were reeling a little bit. We hadn't scored for a little while. And um, we ran one of our go-to plays, and they jumped it like they do. They switched one through four. And, uh, and it was kind of a collision. Thought it maybe could have been a foul, maybe not whatever, obviously. And then and then we got the switch, and it worked out pretty well. <laughs> Thank goodness. And then we made our four free throws. Yeah. Then, you know, we shot four free throws all night. And Sam made those two uh, when we um, – was it off the press maybe or was that a missed shot? Either way. And, um, and oh, yeah, they made a layup. I yeah. think Stevens made one. We got an inbounds. Sam gets fouled, makes those two, and then they hit a tough three. We were trying to foul yeah, because we had a foul to give, and Sam maybe told you. Uh, we were getting in, and Sam was fouling. He was just grabbing <laughs> Stevens, and they didn't call it. So then Diogo's late off of the pin down for, for – um, Thistlewood, and then Abel stepped up and knocked those two threes down or free throws down, I mean, which was huge. I mean, you know, and, and to shoot those free throws right into the student section, you're up by one, you're trying to push it to three. You know, Stevens on a one and one miss is going to just bolt right down the court to try to hit another game winner like he did against Nevada. And uh, to and, hit in Loyola of Chicago oh, earlier yeah, exactly. in the year, from the exact same spot. That, no. Trust me, that was going through my mind like, oh gosh, you know. But, um, but yeah, you're right in the student body. Yeah. It was a great atmosphere. It was a great college game tonight. Um, you know, it's always nice on the road. It's always nice to be able to play in front, but especially on the road. And we were able to get that lead early. I thought we were really 
passing it and sharing it so well. And, man, we had wide open shots. And obviously early on we were knocking them down. Brock hit his first one. Abel hit yes. his first or second one. First one. And, and then that second half, I mean, we missed. We had a chance to go from 10 to 16 or 18 like – and we just yeah. Brock missed a couple wide open. Abel missed a wide open one right in front of us. Um, but Sam was dropping him down. I would Sam's pull up in transition. Oh, yeah. When Nimi and Peanut fell yeah, down, yeah. and Nimi was still on the other side, I was like, "All right, we'll take it." <laughs> I'm yeah. looking down there just to make sure he gets up. And we're banging threes. Cuba yeah. Cuba <laughs> rises up to shoot yeah. a three. I was like, "Oh, I thought he was huge." Yeah, I yeah, wanted to bring him up. Was... The last two, the last two games, we've had to kind of. You know, Merrill with the four fouls, 40 seconds in the second half the other night. And then tonight with Nimi getting his third with, what, four minutes, five minutes to go in the first half. And that was a tough one. I tr- we do trust Nimi. You know, we had a little bit of a lead, but they were making their run. And then when we put Nimi back in, we immediately went back up to eight. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where sometimes coaches, I think, get too tentative. And they just start sitting guys, and then they end up with three fouls for the night. And we were bringing double teams, so, you know, generally speaking, when you bring doubles, you don't. And Nimi's a prideful guy, and he got a little overzealous down here when, I think it was Carvacho, kind of faced up, and he could have kind of just let it go, and he was going to challenge him. And, you know, but Kuba came in and really played well, just defend, uh, rebounded well. I thought his screen roll defense just okay. But he's got great feel on offense with spacing. He really understands spacing. And it helps a guy like Sam because he knows where he can go and where he can get his shots without running into somebody. And so um, he was huge tonight, gave us huge minutes. And I know you got more questions, but I'm a run-on sentence, so we're just going to keep going. But Diogo Brito made some monster plays tonight. Um, just moving without the ball. There was a couple plays where we run like midway through that second half where we're going to Nimi, and they do what we call base. So Nimi gets a post touch, and they're just going to sit on your high side, and they're just going to, and then they they really overhelp with the low hole guy. So Diogo made some plays where he's just cutting from the opposite low corner, flashing hard to the ball, and Nimi just gets it to him. Two wide open layups. Um, and then I think he had one, yes. And then he had one on an end out, baseline out of bounds play. We were running a play that we have against their zone. They have a funky zone that they run. And Dioga just flashes to the ball, to the rim, and Abel find, or Sam found him yeah. for an easy layup. And those are kind of backbreakers for the other team when you just um, – and their momentum want, um, boosters for your team because you yeah. get such an easy score when you felt like you didn't even have to do anything. Yeah. Um, this Colorado State's got a bunch of players that are going to be a problem for a lot of years coming up. Stevens is obviously uh, – he's a really special player. But they kept making run after run after run. They're making shots down the stretch, and you just keep answering every single one of them. And I know you love boxing, but every time they throw a haymaker, you're there to take it and then dish out one of your own. And, I mean, that's the resiliency of this team in end-of-game situations was just so impressive. We had a really good look to us this week. Um you know, that Boise game was a little uneven with some things. That We had really good preparation on Sunday. There was no, like, oh, I'm sore, I'm beaten. It was none of that. It was on to the next. And it's amazing how you can tell about people and teams, your body language, your mindset, how they carry themselves. And um, an old friend of mine, he and I worked together. Actually, he was our video guy at Colorado State. And then he went to Nebraska. He was at Nebraska for seven years. And he was in town. And he was at our film and shoot around. And, and he goes, man, you guys have a really good look to you today. Like, your your mindset looks so good. And we did. We just had a great look to us. And um, 
And so, you know, at the start of the second half, um, they they make a three, and we were right. And, I mean, that was a tough shot. Yeah. Like, it was kind of a ball screen throwback to number three, and Abel was just a smidgen late, and three rises up and drills it, and then we come down and Sam hits a three, right? And then they come down and hit one, and then we come back. And it was just – it was very similar to last year yeah. in the second half where we couldn't stop them, they couldn't stop us. And, like I always say, it was like an NBA All-Star game, you know, where everyone's just trading baskets. Um, but fortunately for us, when we got Nimi back in, we were able to kind of – keep staying in front by that eight-point lead. We had two, I, like I told the guys, I got to do a better job down the stretch getting them cleaner looks um, uh, because we were just a little out. You know, they got into us, and we didn't have – we had some uneven possessions there late in the game, certainly. But Sam saved the day, and we made our free throws and got enough. So I thought we played a little bit of zone in the middle of that half, and I think it, it really got them off attack. I thought they were getting downhill on us, especially Stevens. And um, and the zone got us off attack. We got a first stop, then they scored, and then I think we stopped them five more times. And it just kind of bought some time. And I don't want to say it gave our guys a little bit of a rest, but in that one three one, Sam and Abel can kind of they don't have to be running all over the floor chasing those guys. Mm-hmm. They can go be more stationary. And I thought that bought bought us just enough time. Three games in six days. Uh, you, you have an extra day, uh, and then you travel to Fresno. But it's been it's been a grind over this last week. And to play Colorado State, who had a full week's rest. I mean, the, these guys deserve a little bit of time. I know you can't give them much, but well, we get, yeah. But uh, one day t- seems like a lot right now. Yeah. So it was that UNLV game was super physical. The Boise game was just what it was. It's physical for some guys, not so much for others. And then coming in tonight um, is just one of those games. And you know, we we did a uh, one of our celebratory dances tonight afterwards and um, and then when I said we got a charter flight home yeah. they just erupted and so I got to thank one of our very prominent um, boosters that took care of us on this one this is a big one get guys back for class and take care of business and then we're off to Fresno we haven't played Fresno obviously it was a crazy game at home Yeah, they made a last second shot to force overtime <laughs> or maybe that was the force double overtime I don't remember but one um, overtime and, and they're a very talented team and and uh, but this day off will be really good, and we have to have be have that same road warrior mentality, because when you can string these kind of games together, you just start really ascending, you know, up the standings. And we still have a lot to play for, and I think we're st- we're really um, starting to get into a bit of a groove and figure out who we are as a team. Coach, heck of a W. Hey, thank you guys. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. I, I know. I road trip. Keep trip. coming out, baby. Right, no, this is, this is, uh, let's go. This may be a new thing. But, uh, yeah, great show tonight. That was a great college basketball game. I'm just chiming oh. in now because my one fan, my mom, is listening. I just want to make sure. Oh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I cut you out? No. no I, it was, I looked it was at you guys. right here. So these guys are um, press row and yeah. right by um, right by us, just kind of like in, in Logan or in, this, in the Spectrum. But um, I looked at you guys at one point. What was I – I don't remember what the I, situation. I, I, I kind of looked I, at you I think guys. I know it was, and I don't. I don't know I don't if we should say. be talking about. It. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I don't it remember. But it was an eye roll. Uh, yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I got it now. Well, his was an it. eye roll. Mine may have been. A... <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, great game, coach. Well, great. Thank game. you Travel guys. Safely. Yeah, thank you. Go Aggies. There Appreciate go. it. All right. There are the Aggies on their huge win. Now BYU's got NCAA dreams too. We'll hear from their coach, Mark Pope, coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Aggies got a big win. We just heard from Craig Smith and Sam Merrill. Now BYU has to go on the road and get a couple wins. Keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. Let's check in with their head coach, Mark Pope, as BYU gets ready for a road trip to Southern California. When you get around to playing these teams for a second time in the league, is there a way to kind of know how much they've changed, or is that some of that guesswork? or? Um, which other than just watching all their games, right? So um, you always are curious to see how teams will change their plan of attack. And um, there's no team that is more confusing to me than this Laurel Marymount team because they, they're switching defenses all the time and, and um, they make it really chaotic that way. And they even within a possession, they switch defenses and they're calling stuff out. And, and um, they're playing a really interesting lineup now with no traditional point guard and really no traditional two guard. So everyone's kind of, you know, 6'6 six, six to 6'9 six, and and um, and really, really physical. And so they're, they're interesting kind of nut to crack. We're going to have our work cut out for us. You've talked about Connor Harding's defense and being kind of your stopper. Is that something that he's always had, or did you really have to work hard with him in the offseason on that? Well, I think he's a good athlete, and I think he's got a big heart. And so those are usually a pretty good ingredients for for a guy that can help you on the defensive end. Um, and I can't really speak to before this year, but uh, he's embraced that role. I think he's really found ways to improve kind of the focus of his defense, um, really being attentive to scout. Uh, we drilled him pretty good after the um, the last 15 minutes of the San Francisco game because he showed up a lot on the board in terms of uh, some some miscues. But, but he's just such a diligent, dedicated, hardworking, good-hearted young man. Uh, he, he's going to continue to grow into a great defensive player, and he's had unbelievable defensive efforts. St. Mary's most recently. Uh, uh, Virginia Tech, when we were playing him at Maui, uh, several other times where he's just risen up and, and come up with huge stops and a really dedicated defensive effort. He's really important important what we do. Mark, what does Dalton bring to this team, especially in the paint? Kind of, you can just toss him the ball. Yeah, he's just so rugged and tough. Um, He's really, really versatile. He's playing really confident. He's an extraordinary passer off the roll, which is really, it's hard to do, but he's, you know, from the the very beginning of the summer when we kind of incorporated a couple things, we're like, this guy's just, he just bought in. Um, He's 100% team first. You know, we've talked about it a lot. He is everything that you want in terms of a teammate and and, uh, 100% focus on winning and um, you know he's, he's got energy every single day and uh, you know he's, he's actually becoming more and more vocal on the floor which is really important in terms of defensive schemes about him communicating with teammates in real time and uh, I, I've, I've it's been such a privilege to coach him like he's, he's awesome what have you seen from Yoli's maybe work ethic, his routine, just yeah. the work he's putting away away from the court? Yeah, um, I couldn't be more impressed with him right now. He is, um, 
you know, he's grown a lot in that area. He's grown a lot in his uh, understanding of the impact that he can have on a team in the locker room and on the bench uh, and in practice. Um, you know, I think I, my guess is he's always had a really, really prominent voice, but maybe he hasn't understood the, the, the really deep impact that his voice has on other guys. And I think he's, I think he's got a way better sense of that. And so um, what he does every day in practice, the fact that he shows up every day to practice is really important. Um, so and then all the all the the non stat areas that are showing up right now. You know, as we were struggling in the last 15 minutes in San Francisco, one of the highlights was Yoli Childs in transition defense was unbelievable. Like he was making an incredible effort, full runs, great wall, great communication. And um, that's an area where he's really, really grown. Uh, you know, we count him in certain times to be a defensive stopper for several different positions. And he's been able to do that. I think his passing has grown You know, all those kind of things have, have I think, taken a big jump. What's Jake's status for Thursday night? I think Jake's good. Uh, I think um, you know he's got this uh, ankle that's going to bother him through the rest of the season. It just is. You know, it's just in this point in the season, you you just have you got to manage things, and so he's going to manage it and play great. That's what he does. How did, how did Gavin's? How, how has Gavin um, progressed over the last couple of days? Yeah. Just a couple of minutes. How's his body held up? He was awesome today, but he got really tired, man. We did a little just a junk scrimmage at the end for six minutes and two minutes in. That Gav was about to pass out. So um, he's 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 working really hard, and he's gonna you know he's gonna artistically figure out his way to roll into this. Uh, into this rotation, he's going to really help us. There's going to be moments when he'll help us. There's going to be times when everybody looks out and they're like, man, Gavin Baxter is not helping us. But when moments, you know, in a few big moments, he's going to make a huge difference for us. We're excited to have him. Are you expecting to have uh, Trevin back maybe this week? I know. Yeah, Trev's back. So he's good. So he, uh, this was his first official practice. And, and uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's good to go. So. Is Jake shooting at the level you thought he could shoot at, or is he shooting higher than you thought? Um, well, he's shooting the ball great, uh, but he's done this for us the last couple of years. Um, he is uh, the the thing that's most exciting to us is the shots he's taking now. So it's interesting because we all you guys have heard me a thousand times talk about how we work really hard to earn really good shots, and Jake is a little bit of an anomaly to that. We're kind of pushing Jake to take some hard shots. He makes hard shots. And um, and he's turned down uh, some of those challenge shots in the past, uh, maybe a few too many. And he's he's actually more willing now and more confident to fire it up. And it's it's helped our team because it makes him so dangerous as a player. You can't, you know, if you if you think you're rolling the game and just kind of play him normal and close out on the catch, you're probably not going to get the job done. And um, and so that, that helps us a lot. He's been really impressive that way. Going forward, will you keep him out of practices primarily and just have him for games? Or? No, no, we'll practice him. Yeah, practice is really important to us, so, so we'll practice him. When you have games that, like Saturday, where you have a big lead and that kind of slips away, um, how do you address that with your team and how do you correct something like that? Well, you know, um, I, th- you know I don't know Pete Carroll, but... Um, but, you know, I, I, I have a good friend that worked very closely with him for a long time. And of course, I read his book and listened to him speak. And, and um, one of the ways that he talks about the game that I think is so special is he talks about um, just chasing greatness, right? And, it's, and, and that's a bigger thing than winning. Um, it, it, it results long-term in winning big, but, but just trying to be great as a team. And I, I was, you know, 
this team has been so extraordinary. For 26, we played 26 games. For 26 games, they've come every single night to come fight. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would challenge, I'd be interested to see how many coaches could say that about their teams. That they've come to tip to fight 26 consecutive times. You usually don't have teams that do that. You have one or two or three games where you, it's just like you're in mud the whole night and you can't get them to fight, right? And um, this team has done that. And so the, the fact that the last 15 minutes of that game, we weren't starving to, like, get better, that was the part that I think was a little bit just um, – I just felt like we passed up on an opportunity as a team, myself included. And, and so, yeah, that, I think that was the biggest issue. It was like, we don't have time to waste. We have, we have to get so much better. And we don't have a lot of time. And so we, we can't waste any time. Do you anticipate going in with a, with a minutes idea for Gavin? Or will that be determined based off of how he's handling the minutes he's getting and kind of the flow of the game? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's always super dynamic. So um, it'll probably depend on how comfortable he is out there, how fresh he is out there, how sore he tells me he is before we get to game time because we are kind of grinding him out. He worked really hard after practice yesterday and was in a full practice day for the first time. So we'll see how his body's feeling and, and see how he performs and kind of see the rhythm of the game and see how he fits into the flow of, of what's going on. But um, so I, 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 you know, I'll, I think, you know, I would love to play him a certain amount of minutes, but I'm sure I'm going to be wrong. You've talked about how dangerous your Cougars are right now, yeah. but how dangerous are the teams like LMU and San Diego who are at the bottom of the pack but are fighting yeah. to just get that one more? Win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These games are so. Every game is so hard. I mean, we have five games left. Is that right? Five games. I mean, every one of them is just going to be. It's it's what's beautiful about league play, right? Is um, is every single game is is life or death, and 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 you have to fight it 100% to have a chance to win a game. And I think you know, uh, you know, both these two teams have struggled so far in league. But you know, if we don't come 100%, we're not going to have a chance to win. And if we come 100%, we're going to have a chance to win. And and um, it just the, the game keeps you honest. You know, you can't roll in with any assumptions unless you're Gonzaga. You can't roll in with 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 any assumptions. You have to come play and play with every bit of your heart and soul. But on the back end, the part of it that is harder to 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 describe is if you can make that commitment every single night for an entire season, then win, lose, or draw, you will roll out of that deal, and you'll you'll have this inner pride that's really special and, and these guys have a chance to do it they have a chance to to go fight every single game with everything they have it's so that's what we're chasing this team's already matched the win total from last year's squad do you feel like your program's ahead of schedule and maybe what you were expecting when you took the job back in april uh I, i'm not smart enough to know i mean you know we're just trying to win a game i mean that's really just true uh um I, i'm you know that's probably too big for me to talk about meaning like it's too much perspective i am really proud of where we are right now because we've put ourselves in a position where we have a chance and we could fold in the tents and and collapse and 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 not get where we want to go right but but we're in a, we're a position where we have a real chance now to to perform and fight and try and win some more games and, and have a chance to you know play some postseason basketball so I, I am really proud of that there's BYU head coach Mark Pope. When we come back, PK and I are talking jazz with Ben Anderson, ben Anderson from the Jazz pre-half and post-game show, Jazz in the Heat, tonight. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz play the Miami Heat tonight. Jazz are trying to make it four straight wins, go into the break on a roll. And PK and I spoke with Ben Anderson late in yesterday's show, kind of get his assessment of where things stand. Of course, he's on the Jazz pre-half and post-game show. And here are PK and I with Ben. Ben, good morning. Good morning, guys. So I'm curious how you explain the confidence level with the Jazz. How in the world does this work? Because they looked so shaky during the five-game losing streak. They're just like, oh, no, we might lose it. And I never thought they looked like that in the fourth quarter. Even though it got tense, they had to hit some shots and all that to push a four-point lead back to seven or whatever. They did it, and it just seemed like they were going to. What the heck is the difference one week to the next? There is a weird momentum team, uh, thing going on with this team where I, I don't know if it's youth. Uh, I, I don't know if they just don't know any better because of their youth, where when things are going well, everything seems to be going well, including you know weird runs like what they saw from the bench in that third quarter. Uh, and then when things go poorly, like nothing goes right, like losing five games in a row, even when you're playing very shorthanded teams and some teams where it just looks like matchup-wise, you should have a much better opportunity or a much easier chance to get some wins. Uh, when the momentum is good, they're great. And when it's bad at all, it seems like it really falls apart. And we've seen that a couple of times this season, most recently the five-game losing streak. Uh, and then, of course, uh, in early December when they lost four or five on the road, and I think they lost six of eight overall, uh, and were just bad. Uh, it, so it's strange. And then, of course, they go on their hot streaks, and they win 19 of 21 or three in a row against playoff teams or near-playoff teams like they've done recently. They just kind of go whichever way the wind is blowing and and that's good and bad because in sports we've seen that be very successful where the Washington Nationals will get hot and win a World Series because they play well for a couple of weeks or you know a month to close the season the New York Giants have done it seemingly having a 500 regular season and getting in the playoffs and beating an undefeated Patriots team uh, but also if you're playing bad towards the end of the season that's a little scary because you could you could exit in the first round Jordan Clarkson continues to amaze. Now, I followed him to a degree, more so when he was with the Lakers than Cleveland. Uh, And he's been a double-figure scorer every year he's been in the league. So, you know, I thought when I first heard the trade, I thought, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Exum isn't giving you anything. Clarkson should be able to give you about 10 to 12. But pushing it towards 30 and being able to score almost to the point of effortlessly. Now, I know it's not that, but it certainly looks like that, particularly on television on these away games. i got to say, he's really, really impressed me. What was your expectation when he came in and now your level of uh, how you would evaluate him the way he's playing? So I'll admit, I kind of liked Jordan Clarkson going back to his uh, L.A. days, obviously the same way you had mentioned, because you had seen there was something there. Uh, and then when the Cavs acquired him, I actually thought, okay, that makes sense because LeBron James could use just a scoring punch off the bench. And those guys, I mean, historically, going back a long time, good six men, even if they're just scores, was it Benny Johnson with the Detroit Pistons in the 80s? Those guys have always just kind of made sense. They can work. And then sometimes it looks like they're going to work or they do give you points, and it actually doesn't help your team. So that's kind of what's dicey about 
that specific type of player. But I know the Jazz like Jordan Clarkson when he was coming out of Missouri as well. And I, I tend to trust the, the Jazz instincts. Certainly Dennis Lindsay's uh, draft history is much better than it is worse. So the fact that the Jazz liked him a little bit I think is intriguing. Quinn Snyder obviously has some ties to Missouri and, and probably heard some things about him of what type of a player he is. But I thought he was going to come in and just be a scorer. I thought you were, like you said, uh, PK, it's probably 12 to 13 points. I didn't think he had long stretches where he would score 20, 25, 37, 22, exactly what he's giving you right now. I thought, honestly, just by not watching him every night, he was probably a little bit more like Jay Crowder, not in his style of play, but in his style of scoring, where one night he might give you 25, and then the next night he might give you four, and as a result, you get a 13-point average, and you just take it. But he's not that. and He's just he's much more consistent as a, as a scorer. He really seems to understand his role on this team. And then I think he's actually more than just a scorer. I know his assist numbers last night were particularly inflated. He doesn't give you eight assists most nights, most nights but he plays really hard, which I guess surprises me. He is a pretty instinctual passer, even if he doesn't always get a ton of assists. He makes really smart passes. So he's just better at everything than I expected, and that's been a welcome surprise. Ben Anderson joining us here, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. So... Mike Conley, everything hits pause as he doesn't play back-to-back, and I guess that's not really that surprising the way things are going in the NBA. But do you feel bigger picture over the last week or two? Do you see progress being made? Does he fit in better? And do you think there's more progress to be made? I think there's a lot more progress to be made, but I think the last week in his four games where he's averaging 20 points and five rebounds and four assists and shooting 45% from the floor and 50% from the three-point line are are very promising. I, I don't think he does that for the rest of the season. I mean, I think that's unreasonable to expect, but you can see that he can still get back to that level for stretches, and you may need him to do that for uh, the entire playoffs, and if not, maybe just a playoff series. Uh, and, and that's huge because he makes a lot of money, and he makes, you know, he needs to be a big part of this team. He's going to get 30 minutes when he's healthy. So I think you need to see that he has the ability to do some of those things. And over the last week, he's done it. And, and then, you know, I, we we talked a couple of weeks ago, guys, about how do you use him in the playoffs or what's the expectation for him? And again, as teams can start to take away some of your options, the way the Rockets took away Joe Ingles last year, you have to give something up. And if you're going to switch everything to try and take away some of the jazz three point shooting, which the Rockets have been able to do, you've got to be able to isolate against those teams that want to switch because if you isolate, they can't switch on defense. And Mike Conley can do that. And you saw that against the Rockets on was that Sunday night, I guess two nights ago now, his ability to attack off the dribble, if you're a little bit bigger than he is and a little bit slower than he is, he can get all the way to the rim. And if you can cut that off, he'll hit a floater. And if you can you know, back off of him so he doesn't drive, he'll hit a three. And, and that's just what really good isolation players do. And, and he can do that. And we've seen the Jazz specifically lack that at times over the last two years in the playoffs. And, and we've seen the value of it when they've had it, whether that was Joe Johnson against the Clippers. You, you need to have that guy in the postseason. Sometimes you need to win a one-on-one matchup. I think Mike Conley provides that, and I think we've learned that the last week. Yeah, I'm not so worried about him individually. I'm more concerned about how the players play with and off of him. And to me, that's the big issue. Are they as effective? Are they effective enough to make sure that the team is in the position to win rather than looking at Mike Conley's contributions individually and solely unto himself? So going forward, how do you think the guys are going to be playing with him, around him, and off him and all that type of stuff. 
I buy into some of that because clearly some of the numbers are down with guys around him. I also think it's their responsibility to be better and not Mike Conley's responsibility to make them better. And I know Quinn, Quinn Snyder's job is to make sure he's got the best five guys out there and find the units that work, and, and I absolutely believe in that. But if Joe Ingles starts missing open shots because Mike Conley's on the floor, I don't think that's Mike Conley's fault. Uh, but, but I do understand the concept that the team's got to be playing well as a whole. I do think they're still readjusting clearly to what Mike Conley offers, uh, and, and they're going to get back there. But also, you know, Mike Conley's a better point guard than, than Joe Ingles is, and Joe Ingles is a really good player, and, and when he has value, he has enormous value. Uh, and, and even last night when he didn't shoot well without Conley on the floor, he gives you eight assists, and you see his value there. Uh, but what Mike Conley does, he's better at than anyone else on the team. So you've got to find a way to use that. And I think you have to find a way to keep that on the floor. And, and honestly, it's going to require the rest of the guys adjusting as much as it's going to require Mike Conley adjusting to them. And I think that's the vision the Jazz had. I, I think it's the, the vision the team is committed to because they continue to put Conley out there in those situations and ask everyone to play off of him. And I think you're going to see that. And I think it's going to help in the long term guys like Donovan Mitchell, who in the playoffs don't have to be the only guy doing it. I mean, we might not see... Donovan Mitchell is the best player in a series. He might not be the second best player in a series. And, and the Jazz are probably going to be in good shape if that's the case. If either Rudy Gobert comes out and is great like he was against Oklahoma City a few years ago, or if Mike Conley comes out and is the best player in a playoff series, which he's done several times in his career, that, that's probably a good re- recipe for the Jazz if they're going to win a playoff series. You're probably going to not need uh, or hope to not have to need Donovan Mitchell to be a superstar who averages 30 points a game because that's a lot to ask still from a third-year player. It's just I think the whole thing that has to come together here is there's a rhythm to the offense and the way the ball moves. And I thought with Conley out there, I thought regardless of who the combination was on the floor, that the last two games, Houston and Dallas, you could feel it. And I think there are three guys who are likely to break the rhythm of the offense, and they're all new to the team. And it's fine to break the rhythm of the offense if you get all the way to the hoop and you get a high-percentage shot, but you can't break the rhythm, go one-on-one, and then pick the ball up after five seconds and go, nope, this isn't working, and throw it to Bogey or Joe or whoever and think that now you're going to get a good shot in that possession. And so I think that knowing when to break the rhythm of the offense and go one-on-one, it's a kind of finely tuned thing, but it feels to me like Moutier, Clarkson, and I get Moutier doesn't play a lot, but he plays when Conley sits. Moutier, Clarkson, and Conley all tend to break the rhythm of the offense, but as long as they do it at the right time, it's not a big deal. It just kind of enhances it. But getting to that tip, that balancing point and getting that right, that seems to be what the next 25 games are about. But it seems like they're getting closer to it. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, that breaking the rhythm, is, as you mentioned, it's just isolating. And as much as it's awkward to look at because it's not what the Jazz run, it's not what most NBA teams run, but it's why everyone hated the Houston Rockets over the last few years, even though they've had these record-breaking offenses, because James Harden's the best isolator we've ever seen in NBA history, and they still had a great offense as a result of it. And, and really, I mean, sometimes the best thing you can do is just be the most unguardable player on the floor. And, and we saw it in the third quarter last night. I thought both Emmanuel Moutier and Jordan Clarkson were unguardable. I thought we saw it against the Rockets for stretches that, that Mike Conley was as well. And it matters more in the playoffs because teams break your offense. Teams know how to get I mean, you can break an offense. The best defensive teams do it. The Jazz have done it for the last several years. They don't do it as much this year. Uh, and then you've got to have an answer to it. And I think that's where this value will continue to shine more so for the Jazz in the playoffs. But it would also help in the regular season when teams aren't uh, don't have the ability to take everything away for the Jazz to be able to run that offense that can be so effective uh, that Quinn Snyder has installed when Conley's on the floor. And I totally agree with that. 
You think the Nuggets are getting enough run as far as how good they are? I think there's some questions about what their ceiling is, and that's why they don't get enough love because I don't know what major additions they made other than Michael Porter Jr. in the offseason. I don't think he's played for like, – I know he missed three games in a row at one point uh, in the last week. So I don't know if if that's why they're not getting as much love. I don't know if it's because – if you don't like a big guy who passes a ball like Jokic does and looks a little awkward when he does it, if you don't like that, maybe you're just not going to sit down and watch him and appreciate him. And, and I don't think that's trying to sound too elitist about basketball. I mean, there's certainly things that are fun to watch about them. It also really hurt. I mean, Jamal Murray missed a ton of games and got hurt again last night. And Paul Millsap hasn't played in seemingly a month now with a knee bruise. So uh, I think that might be part of it. But, but I think the bigger thing is, how legit are they? I mean, do we think they can beat the Lakers? Can they beat the Clippers? I, I know they beat the Jazz twice in the last few weeks, but that was the Jazz playing maybe their worst stretch of basketball of the season. I, I wouldn't pick Denver to beat the Jazz in a playoff series when Quinn Snyder can prepare for them. And I think that might be the issue. There's still some doubters uh, about how good they really can be, and they almost got eliminated in the first round last year to uh, to, to a Spurs team. I want to say it was the seventh seed. So I, I think that's probably the bigger question but they're dangerous i mean they're, they've got what the fourth or fifth best record in the nba overall they're they're certainly playing really good basketball i think maybe michael malone's probably due for a coach of the year award or at least a, a, a nomination for it and to be a finalist this year how much do you think the clippers are better than the lakers and they're just sandbagging here in the regular season resting up pacing themselves uh, i think that's a really dangerous assumption for the Clippers to be making, and I think they are making it. I, I think sitting the players as often as they are, I understand it. I understand wanting to be healthy. Uh, you're going to need that, and they can do a lot of those things we've talked about that the playoff teams can do, where Paul George can go off for 30, and Kawhi can certainly go off for 30, and Lou Williams can do the same thing, but the Lakers might be a sleeping giant. I, I know they're not perfect. I know they didn't address their point guard issues at the trade deadline, and Darren Collison's not coming in to save them, but LeBron James is still, you know, the best player I've seen his entire career of. I didn't see all of Michael Jordan, but LeBron James is right there uh, and is legitimately in the conversation as the best we've ever seen. And Anthony Davis is going to be a mismatch regardless of who the Clippers think they can put on him. I mean, they they certainly don't have a big body that can go out and, and defend him that well. And I think Marcus Morris is good. Do I think he can win you a playoff series? That might be a little bit more of a dicey question. So, I think the Clippers are good. I think they're in the conversation with the Lakers. I don't know if I'm convinced that they're head and shoulders better because LeBron in the playoffs, I mean, look at LeBron's points last night. It was something like you know, 17 points on 9 of 16 shooting. He's, he's not going out there and having to do what he did for the Cavs where he has to give you 38 and 8 every night for them to have a chance to win games. He just doesn't have to do that. So while he's not sitting games like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are, he's probably resting. And he's certainly getting more rest than he ever has at this point in his career or, or at any point in his career. Uh, as a championship contender, and Anthony Davis is as good. Or, you know, Anthony Davis is better than Paul George. I feel confident saying that. So I, I don't know if Kawhi is significantly better than LeBron, if he is at all, and I don't think Paul George is better than Anthony Davis. And look at most playoff series. The best player wins, and the Lakers have you know maybe two of the top three, I think, in that conversation, and, and their one is as good as any other one we've ever seen. So they're good. The Clippers are really good and are, are a legit threat to, to make it out of the West. And, and maybe the Bucks are just the best team and, and are going to steamroll everybody. I don't think that's the case. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see the Lakers and LeBron James once again in the finals. You expect a nail-biter in the All-Star game? Because I need to know. <laughs> oh, I don't. I, honestly, and I'm going down there. I'm leaving on Thursday. 
I don't even know what the format is for the quarter still. I know they're doing the uh, the ode to Kobe Bryant, and you, you score so many points a quarter, one through three, and then they reset it, and then they set a you know a goal number in the fourth quarter to get there. It's just a lot. It's kind of going to be hard to follow, I think, a little bit, especially because it's not a game that people sit down like a playoff game and watch for the points. They watch for the highlights. So now having to track the scoring, I think, might be a little bit goofy. Uh, but LeBron James, and no offense to Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert, who were drafted by Giannis, LeBron James is a much better general manager than Giannis is and picked much better players. So it might not be a, uh, a nail-biter at all. So you're saying LeBron's not only a great player, he's like Jerry West too? He might be. He, he could have a post. He could have a post NBA career that good if he decided he wanted to be a, a front office person. I suspect he's probably more of an owner, and you'd hope as an owner he doesn't meddle too much in what the uh, the front office does. But LeBron, LeBron's a, a great basketball mind, and then maybe he is. Maybe he has a chance to be the next Jerry West. Ben, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes. We'll hear you on the games. Hey guys, thanks. There's Ben Anderson from the Jazz pre-half and post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.